0: Hello and welcome to Dateline New Haven on WNHHFM, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm your host, Paul Bass, and if you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make our community tick, ChatGBT. Humans have been talking about it nonstop since November when the chatbot was launched, and um, we got two people in New Haven who are all on top of it about what it's going to mean for the future of writing and research and teaching, and they're going to help us Figure out how worried or not worried we should be and separate from worry what it all means. Say good morning to Dr. Jennifer Frederick of the Porvus Center for Teacher and Learning at Yale. And Alfred Guy, who is the University Director of Undergraduate Writing and Teaching, has spent 30 years overseeing writing programs. Welcome, folks, and thanks so much for coming. Thanks for to, having us, to Dateline New Haven. Yeah,
1: thank you. It's
0: good to be here. So are we doomed? No. no. <laughs> you guys agree that <laughs> was pretty five. clear. <laughs> <laughs> is it because this stuff is like the weather? It's got pros and cons, the world changes, human knowledge advances, we got new tools and we just got to learn how to use them right? Or did I put words in your mouth?
1: No, that sounds that sounds good to me. I'm by constitution non-alarmist. So I think I'm looking at this with a bit of a more measured look. Anytime there's a big hype in the media, I'm sensitized to just sit back and pay attention and and look for what's good about this, what should we actually be worried about. And from the teaching and learning perspective what's new and what do we need to be paying attention to? How yeah. will our jobs be different? And
0: you focus on STEM, which used to sound to me like the way we used to, what we liked about science <laughs> that's kind of before we started arguing about science for the last two years, that's sort of the way you look at things change and what it means. How does chat work? It was introduced, um, rolled out in AI feature, rolled out in November, then it became part of Bing and that's when it really got controversial cause Bing was letting people test it. it. Didn't quite work. How would you describe chat
2: for our listeners? Uh, ChatGPT is a predictor of a likely next word, and it has absorbed thousands and thousands and thousands of documents and analyzed which words appear after which words and in response to what kinds of questions. And it actually writes its text word by word, just making a statistical prediction of what's a likely next um, word in any sentence. And then after that sentence, what would be a likely next sentence? Um... And one of the things that I really like about using it is that you can interrupt that process by refining or changing your question, and it will just use a slightly different formula for making its next set of predictions.
0: And what's different from this from the last few years whenever we're on with our insurance company on hold or something and we start typing questions in a box and they type back to us?
2: It's
1: far broader. So when you're working with a company to chat about when can I schedule my appliance service or those kinds of insurance questions, there's a they train those those interfaces on a limited set of information that maps with what that limited set of clients will want to know about. This is everything, this is the entire internet. So the the source material is just vastly broader.
2: And another difference I'd say as a writing teacher is when the bot of your insurance company makes a guess at what you want to know, it then spits out a pre-digested set of texts. So often when I write an email even to HR, I get an answer back that's fully composed paragraphs on a completely different question.
0: I know that makes me nuts. Yeah, like I was on hold for nine hours to ask you why you didn't say yes. You know why you didn't approve my uh, my claim, and you're telling me that I need a vacation in Florida. Right.
2: And so ChatGPT actually looks at your question and then um, does its predictions word by word, and it gets a lot closer to giving you a coherent and responsive answer to whatever it is that you've asked.
0: And of course, there have been a lot of errors. The one time I tried it, I wrote a book once. I asked them what my book's about, and I couldn't believe how wildly wrong it was. So then I typed, I said, you know, that's really off, and I gave it a few hints, and it still was way, way off. I couldn't even look at the title to know what it's about. Is that just a matter of time? We're getting, they're going to work that one out?
1: I think time will affect that, but I, I do feel like there are always going to be things that Chat DPT will do that, that far fall, far, fall far below what humans can do and notice. But if other people put in something about what, what book did Paul write, um, how off would it be for them? I think you're gonna be the expert in that case, but who else?
2: I also think the shorter the answer you ask for, the more likely it is to hit sort of in the 70 to 80 percent piece.: And range. that was
0: Bing's response, right? So the famous article by Kevin Roos in The New York Times. they had this hours-long chat where it went down a rabbit hole, and Chow GBT was telling him to lose his, leave his wife, that it was really named Sydney, that it wanted to do hacking all over the world, that it was like arguing with him that he was wrong that he didn't love his wife. And then that Bing said, well you know that once you start talking too long, we're going to try to restrict the length of it." How did you react to the Roos piece?
2: I thought the headlines were great. When I read the piece, I thought, I can hear the bot echoing what, the way the writer is writing to it. So the bot
0: kind of knew that Roos wanted it to be Hal in, in 2001, right? Yep. Yeah.
2: I, I, yeah. I would say it, was, it had incorporated his responses as part of its texts and was relying on them at a higher percentage than it did all the other texts it has because he was the interlocutor and just started to say things it was really predicting what kind of answer is he looking for, which is what its job is.
0: So the concern some people had based on that, including Roos, was that you've got endless numbers of unwell people who the chap out will realize that's what they're looking for, get them to kill themselves or kill other people, right?
1: That's a pretty dark prediction <laughs> to go down. Um, but it went pretty close right there. I mean, he was... Yeah, th- I, I mean, that was pretty it. disruptive advice that it, that it gave him. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not as pessimistic about the direction of future. I, I think mental illness is a gigantic problem, but I don't know that ChatGPT is going to send people over the edge that weren't looking for an edge already. I'm not an expert in this area at all. Well,
0: sorry, when people say social media doesn't create the problems, it magnifies.
1: That's a good, that's a good parallel.
0: And Alfred, you know, you mentioned something that was, that was then mentioned by Ezra Klein, a fellow New York Times writer who took an opposite view on Kevin Roos. So he said, look, Kevin was baiting him. He's trying to get him to go there. And he was trying to please Kevin. What Ezra thinks is scary is that the companies will figure out how to fix that bug in two minutes. But that it's the companies that the chatbot is going to want to... Right now, chatbot's being tested. So it's trying to please the person interfacing with it, give it what it wants but the real end game and gonna be, this might overlap or not with what you're doing in academia is to, is to accomplish the goals of the corporation that owns the CHAPA and distributes it so that if it wants you to buy products that their advertisers have, they're gonna do what they did with Kevin Bruce, not to get you to your, lose your wife, leave your wife, but to buy this diabetes medicine that actually is gonna make your intestines explode.
2: Or even just to buy one brand instead of another. Um, I, I'm going to say something naive. I'm sure this will turn out to be not true five years from now, but I think for the next few years, they will keep these functions separate so that it, so in go to back our our example of where you're talking to the insurance company, I'm sure they'll unleash the full power of whatever AI writer they have to persuade you of whatever it is they want you to do. But I think it's our input right now is much too valuable unshaped. And so figuring out like allowing us to really get the, the AI to move as far as we can get it to move so they can understand us better. It, I think we have a few years before the average Bing search is directing us to particular companies. Mm-hmm. You know, Google works very, very well just by showing you ads. Like, and I don't think we, we need to be manipulated too hard. Like, We're already, we're already getting made to do th- plenty of things that serve the corporations.
1: And that's such a good point, Alfie. I, I really appreciate your perspective and a point that doesn't come up too often in these conversations is that by interacting with chat GPT, we are, we are helping it become better. So we're complying with whatever direction this thing is going, going into. And I think that points me always back to education, that what do we need people to know about the role of technology in society? What do we need our students to do in terms of critical thinking, Mm.
0: reflection,
1: um, detection of and the thing that's different. And you've both been on
0: top of that. Alfie talked about media literacy, and this is another way I'm wondering whether our conversations about GBT and any kind of technology are really conversations about broader tools of society that should take different form over time. For instance, the internet spreading bad information. You used to have the National Enquirer spread bad information. Ten times many people read that. as read the New York Times that had good information. Now, a hundred times many people read the National Choir, but also 10 million people read the New York Times. And is it more that we have a society have to train ourselves on how to use these tools and recognize bad players or bad information, bad uses of it, as opposed to being worried about the tool itself? That there's always been this need since the internet started for much more media literacy, internet literacy, how you get good information rather than bad information, rather than try to put a genie back in the bottle and just not have faster, instantaneous mass connecting of people
1: well i think there's a layer above what you're talking about that that is a little different about chat chat gpt and we've heard educators talking about how they're excited to use it Mm -hmm. because because it does something that can be very rote here's a prompt produce some text that that draws on the sources out there then you can do things with that that take your students to the level that you want them to be at maybe you're critically analyzing a paragraph maybe you're wondering what would happen if you took out this reference to Shakespeare and put in a reference to, I don't know, Beyonce and change it up that way. What would happen? So that's getting students to think about something on their own. Um, so I, I think that because of what this tool does, it requires us to pay attention. But it, I would place it on a spectrum, a continuum of there's new technology, it's disruptive, we got to pay attention and react to it.
2: I'm glad you, okay, Alfie? Oh, I was just going to say probably a lot of your questions I'll say over the next five years I think X will happen because it's pretty hard for me to guess what's gonna happen beyond that right now I think students are my students are really well positioned to learn to be critical of sources that come from a computer um, because ChatGPT is plausible but not great and I've had them read uh, things about from chat GPT about things that they know and they can see where it starts to go off the rails and I feel like it's even easier for them to do that than from a polished website in some ways because the texts are shorter and the summary level is higher. So so far it's been valuable to me in my teaching rather than problematic.
0: And now I guess we're talking about the world of you teaching Yale students or scientific researchers and the broader world of how these tools get used in society. Do you have different levels of optimism and concern about those two realms or is one just a stand in for the other.
1: Well, let me say that by the time students get to college, and not just Yale, but any level of college, they, a lot of stuff has happened to them. And the, I think that the students, the levels that I'm more worried about educationally are the, the big in between middle school, high school, where mm. there's probably less attention than any individual student is gonna get. And I think in lots of cases, teachers who are overworked and have big classes and heavy workloads, so, how are they going to take the time to reformat their lessons to figure out how to tell the difference between a 10th grader's writing and a, a chat GPT, something that spits out?
0: And we're talking to uh, Dr. Jennifer Frederick of the Portview Center for Teacher and Learning and Alfred Guy, University Director of Undergraduate Writing and Tutoring. They're both at Yale. They're both figuring out how chat GPT is going to affect the future of how we learn, correct? Is that a good way of putting it? So you had you, you had a really good transition here into that, Jennifer, when you talked about that. So what is this going to mean from when you're coming up with, um, you know, you you look at how STEM is taught. and You talk about middle school, you talk about college, you talk about the impact on scientific research. How is this going to affect the work you do and what are you looking to see happen?
1: The thing that gives me a lot of optimism and the thing that I think one of the reasons why ChatGPT is particularly a lively conversation in educational institutions is that it pushes us back to think about effective teaching, Mm -hmm. which the, the things that were true about effective teaching a hundred years ago are still true today, that really what you're doing is facilitating student learning. And you can do that with ChatGPT, you can do it without ChatGPT, you can do it with a calculator, you can do it without a calculator, but helping students figure out how to harness the power of their own thinking and to take control over their knowledge of what they know and what they don't know and where they're going and what they wanna do with that. That's an educational goal that we could have been talking about a long time ago. Still true today, but I think Teachers need to think about how are they going to keep the focus on that goal in light of all these other things that are potentially distractors or easy ways out for their students. If you have your students committed to, I want to learn this thing because it matters to me and I can help make change the world with this knowledge, small way and a big way, then they're less likely to be pulled down a path of, I'm going to just let chat GPT write this for me. Cause that's not thinking that's not. And then perfect. there's
0: some specific, if I'm not mistaken about scientific method and how you do scientific, re- um, inquiry. Is chat in some ways just, a uh, a turbocharged way to help them get more information faster that then they can analyze independently to get to a result?
1: In some areas, perhaps. And I think it might help people take a scan of what's already out there that's been answered so I can focus my efforts on the unexplored frontiers because that's where. And how's that different from really
0: just happens. putting that in Google? It just happens faster. It's
1: just much more efficient. Yeah, I'm not completely sure if we can trust it yet. I haven't had enough conversations with enough researchers to get a sense of what are the boundaries of that the way that we've been talking to writers and educators about the types of assignments they assign their students
0: now, and are you both in, talking to other educators as part of you're both doing research in this so Alfie, your realm is uh creative writing
2: uh it, yeah really it's a, academic writing i oh. work with creative writers all the time as well but the writing program at yale is something that all students participate in across 40 different departments
0: and boy uh, what a troll I, I guess plagiarism was question number one or no i mean that's been such a big issue at Yale. I remember even just like 15 years ago they had the committee because there was this rise in how do you identify. Is ChatGPT going to help you crack down on plagiarism? Or you could already do that with Google?
2: No, I, I mean if we if we make this a question about plagiarism then ChatGPT does make things harder because you know basically the main technological tools for catching plagiarism now compare the text to something that's already been published on the internet. ChatGPT results are not published on the internet. So there's, there's going to be no way to, there's going to be no one-to-one comparison of a ChatGPT text and something that's already out there.
0: But, what, but it's grabbing phrases that do exist, but, that, but writers do barely. that too, folk singers do yeah. that.
2: Yeah, and it barely grab. I mean, phrases, yeah. <clears throat> the phrases it uses are the phrases that you and I use. It's not even, you know, academic phrases because it really does do one word at a time.
0: So are you concerned about plagiarism?
2: Well, You seems, don't sound too worried. I'm not worried about plagiarism because... There are some things for me to stay not worried. There are some things that are going to have to happen more than they are now. But I'm, I'm not concerned about it for something that Jenny was just talking about. Our students, they don't necessarily want to go to every assignment with the same enthusiasm. But generally speaking, they want to learn because they feel like agents in the world and they want to be good at solving problems. And they understand that doing the work is how you learn the skills that allow you to solve the problems. And I think most students can see through um, the, the ease of turning in something that a machine wrote and how it gets you no learning, it nets you no skills. And there aren't
0: a lot of students who want to get by. It's either not their major, they didn't have time to do the assignment. Isn't that pretty widespread? They buy papers, you know, there's a the whole New Haven business selling papers. So, so
2: I will say that we, we did a study of 15,000 submissions of student papers a few years back and found a vanishingly small number that we could uh, find a source for on the Internet. I, I don't want to... like. If you really do so charter a J- private... back to
0: Jennifer's point that we have a tendency to worry too much and catastrophize. But you actually looked at the numbers and said this is just like when they talked about voting fraud, it turns out to be one out of a thousand, you know, 100 people or a million people. It's not a big a deal. Did you two do this research? This, what is this research you're referring to with the 15,000?
2: Well, it's something we actually did in house. Two uh, of you together. Well, yes. It's actually a team of about 10 people. And the other person who, I'm just going to say, Ryan Wepler was the other person who helped design this study. Um, We were, I'm I'm looking at Jenny to see if I can say something. Uh, The university was trying to make a decision about adopting a particular plagiarism tool. And in order to think about uh, how much the house was on fire, we wanted to see what, what amount of turning in someone else's work were students doing. And it was very, very small. And even in some places where there was a small piece of it, we could see... As a learning goal, what to do about it. So there are there in longer scientific papers that have a very explicit section of summarizing previous research. There were a few more sentences that had been lifted directly. The truth is that's also true of professional scientific journals because the convention of original sentences is just not as strong in scientific. But Doris, Kearns
0: Goodwin doesn't even realize. remember John Hersey told me, and he's like, it's sort of in your brain there. Right. I and mean, Bob Dylan would just argue that. Stuff gets passed through and we're one human organism and like who's even pretending otherwise, right. you know. So I'll shared is, knowledge.
2: My only so as a director of the writing center, my only concern about plagiarism really is that it keeps students from learning. I don't particularly care about them getting credit for work that they didn't do. Fairness is an issue, but it's not at the top of my list. So it sounds on my like list. you're
0: saying people are might be focusing on the wrong thing. By worrying about plagiarism, it's not that we like plagiarism, it's not like we don't try to do a few things to fix it, but it's not the big issue. What is the big issue and is it a more optimistic issue?
2: Well, I was. I, if it's okay, I want to be just a little pessimistic just for a second. You can
0: be whatever you want. Okay,
2: good. So um, I will say, and this is going back. Basically, anyone who has too many students. You know, this semester I'm teaching a course for Yale. I have 12 students, so I can spend a lot of time paying attention to what they're doing and not doing, what they want to learn, push them in particular directions. But especially adjuncts, man. They get yeah, at absolutely. some universities. They get absolutely. higher They have th- you know two, two courses 30, each. Yeah. Absolutely, two courses at three different universities just to just to make a living. But I want to say that if you. We are we're helping teachers think about moving towards more personalized assignments, getting students to have a higher investment in the project, but that takes labor. It takes human resources. And so the thing is summary, easier assignments did a lot of work. When you knew students were just gonna write a summary, even if all the students wrote their if all the students wrote their own summary, they would learn something. And Chat GPT makes that a little more dicey. The idea that you could give students a generic assignment and just count on the slogging through it to allow them to learn what they need to learn. So I think some amount of feedback, small group work, students working with each other, and personalized projects, research projects, that's the way to keep CHAT-GPT not an issue. Those things take, as I said, human So labor. is this
0: a case where something that presents a problem also presents an opportunity to do better teaching anyway?
1: Yes, that's, that's one of the things. Is that true for science, that is, too? That, it's true across the board. And I think that, in a way, that's the silver lining of I said this about the pandemic, the big focus on if, if all, all of our teaching and learning environments are turned upside down, then we kind of have to focus back on what's I wish essential. I more
0: of that in New Haven. I wish we done more of the outdoor learning and the connecting the community. There,
1: there was more room to go, but I think a lot of distance was traveled in a lot of places, so we can celebrate that. I think ChatGPT presents some of the same opportunities. What's hard is scaling. So people who are responsible for lots of students, it does take time and attention to do these things to teach well and regardless of any technology that that statement so is even true.
0: if you now chat gbt it's still not a good thing if they're really spending under a minute on every paper the person wrote and trying to just do uh, yeah it absolutely. i mean feedback process. is a
1: critical part of learning and, it, yeah. and the teacher is a big part of that peers can be an ingredient in that recipe as well um, but I, I do think that attention to good teaching is is something that we're gonna we have another reason to do that now
0: so it's an opportunity for attention to good teaching yes Tell me more, am I wrong in thinking that I'm picking up from both of you that there are things you're kind of excited about, opportunities with ChatGPT in the fields you do, or no? Or is that what the realm is, attention to good teaching?
2: Most of my excitement feels intellectual. Um, In other words, it's intellectually exciting to figure out. So a a thing that I've done a couple of times now, I did it with my class, I did it with a group of people who work in the Writing Center, I've looked at a ChatGPT essay about a topic and a student essay about the same topic, and had the discussion, okay, what is it that the human student is doing that we value? And... We would have had that discussion without the chat GPT essay, but it was actually in some ways easier to have these texts that had, you know, 20 to 30 percent similarities to highlight the differences. And then we could focus on those and talk about isolated ways of teaching them.
0: So, broaden now for me, what, what does that mean then beyond that one assignment? How does that uh, have the whole teaching profession evolve?
2: So I think what I'm trying to say that I'll, I'll get to that, but like I have a nerdy excitement um, and so, one of the things that came out of that particular discussion was that it's a, a good human paper that thought moves from the beginning to the end. There's not one idea that then just gets repeated or proven, but there's a sort of a shift. Um, it's actually what Harold Bloom said about Hamlet's soliloquies, that they, they brought into English literature the idea of someone listening to themselves and changing their mind. And that is a thing we can talk to students about directly as a feature of good writing, as a feature of uh, complex thinking and nuanced thought. That, ChatGPT gives an opportunity to isolate it and highlight it. Now, you could do it with a, a weaker student paper and a stronger student paper, but I, I have found it exciting to think about what is it that we really want students to do. What, what's on top of what ChatGPT can do? And I, so I
0: guess I'm a little confused how ChatGPT helps us get to the point of having a piece of writing move.
2: Mm-hmm say it again
0: so you're saying that ChatGPT can play a role in helping a teacher show students how a piece of writing goes from point a to point b and takes you somewhere yes rather than just repeating a five point yes. essay and, and how does chat do that
2: chat right now mostly does five point essays <laughs> in other words but by... won't that change that's a good question
0: because i mean that's the, that's the holy grail for um those of us who write in the media you know you write a lot of stories and when you get to where oh at the end we just took you somewhere it could be a surprise twist or the way stuff added up that made you think something you think before, or something had a beginning and now it has an end. Are you saying that ChatGPT can't do that so we can look at that as an example of what's different, to see how to get there or can analyze different forms of writing that take us there.
2: so i'm going to wa- I'm going waffle here and say, this is why I said I have a five year window of mm-hmm. excitement. Let's see how uh, it goes. Yeah, because I've you know I've spent probably ten hours trying to get it to write things. I haven't spent a hundred, and I can't get it to do anything very nuanced about anything that I know. Uh, when I ask it about things I don't know that much about, it seems perfectly That's what plausible. I was saying about analyzing real estate data. Yeah.
0: And, and um, Jennifer, can you tell me about science education, something that, that you see, hopeful or not, you can however you're feeling about yeah, it. Yeah, I,
1: I do feel hopeful, uh, given the caveats about resources and time and, and effort that it requires. But so much of the way science is taught at, at every level is a little bit too focused on we know these facts and we're gonna build on these facts to get to the next ones and on and on and on. Real science is curiosity, it's not knowing. It's messing up and learning from that. It's being, being in awe of how something works or just being driven to figure out how something works or doesn't work. So what if a homework assignment instead of solve these five problems, which by the way, ChatGPT can do your chemistry problem set pretty well, What if your homework is go out and get curious about something and bring a question to class that has something to do with the the chemistry that we're learning so i could be wrong
0: i'm being maybe a little simplistic i think what i keep hearing from you folks is that you think this is some great opportunity to improve teaching to make us rethink how we're teaching well and do stuff that a chatbot can't do
1: so i i do think that there i agree with what you just said i think that it's not going to go back in the box so we need to make the most of it. Because otherwise, what are right. we doing? Just wringing our hands right. and lamenting. That's, we're not going to see us doing that. That's uh,
2: yeah. Now, you know, a super funded education department and a powerful secretary of education who then said, I want all classes to, to have half the t- student-teacher ratio would also have made me excited about the opportunities for education. But I'm uh, <laughs> you know, sort of taking it where I can get it.
0: So tell me a little bit more about what you folks are doing. this course. So within Yale itself, you play leading roles in how teaching takes place academic writing, science. It seems to me you're also doing research more broadly, am I not right, into how American education is gonna take place, and not even just at a university level, if am I wrong about that? You talked about that study you did.
1: So we're, I think we're both paying attention based on our roles, but I wouldn't call it the level of doing education research on a on a level that many people are doing, and, and I hope we will train their sights on ChatGPT and, and AI generally. Um, but I think we are paying attention to the national conversation about how this brand-new, wide, widely available technology is impacting teaching and learning, and will continue to do it's so. It's fair to
0: say that you think it's the weather, like it just is, we're gonna, but you're optimistic that it can make things better while well, we have to guard against problems that I arise. I think we,
1: have to, we, have to, we as humans have to figure out how do we want it to make things better, and then how do we steer it in that direction.
2: I also think that the, the immediate response... Um, of trying to shut it down seems to be not available well, it's not going to happen it's right and it's so, going to be
0: estonia somebody's going to do it somewhere and everyone's going to so, get it and so
2: the way to make the landscape better that isn't shutting ChatGPT down is to improve teaching so it's it's not so much that it's a good opportunity to improve teaching as that's the place to go it happens to be something we were already excited about and you're on the
0: front lines now you said that we, we talked earlier um winding down here that you believe there will be job displacement does that including in education
2: Oh, interest, that's an interesting question. I, don't, I can't see how a, a humane and intelligent response to this wouldn't be more jobs in education, but I'm not going to predict that because that's not the trend. I, I just know, I, I made the comparison to um, some of the AI art programs, and I have seen people who are working on a project and needed some graphic design turn to some of these AI art programs and have them do a really very good and quick and cheap job of providing something that's a backdrop for something else. And I just imagine that that same thing is going to happen. When chat GPT is just a little bit better, it's going to be able to produce some you know, on-demand writing work that otherwise a person would have had to do. And I don't know exactly where that's going to happen, but, but my only pessimism about this right now is for after students graduate, I think people who can see the value of learning, students who are given a transparent understanding of why this work is good for them, will be able to continue to motivate themselves and learn in, in light of ChatGPT. But when it comes time to get a project done for the cheapest, uh, you know, fastest and cheapest, I think that a lot of these projects are gonna get farmed out to ChatGPT. And then, and frankly, someone could do, uh, I think in a couple of years, I could do a decent job on things I don't even know about by running questions through ChatGPT and then cleaning them up a little.
0: But then cleaning up and analyzing and using the brain. Do you think you'll ever go back on Jeopardy and be going against Uh, (laughs) ChatGBT?
2: Since Watson crushed Ken Jennings, I'm really, I have no chance against any AI. Uh, (laughs)
1: Okay, I just, I want to add one more point about the jobs question, and perhaps this could be a gap filler, that if you think about teachers who are overworked and have lots of students in their class, what if they can use it to design the spelling test or they can use it to provide some low-level just question answering for students who need extra help after school, and they, there's just only so many hours in the day. Maybe it can help.
0: All right. Well, you guys helped a lot. You helped me understand a lot in half an hour about ChatGPT. It's awesome. You're very. I fine. feel like we were talking a little mostly about G B T but also AI in general and technology in general. Is that fair to say? And education. Sure. And education. All right. I love your optimism. I think I think we got we're in good hands with you folks <laughs> helping to lead the uh, the search here. <laughs> jennifer frederick alfred guy thanks for joining us on on dateline new haven thanks to harry dros working the controls we're going to take it out with the afro-semitic experience performing i wish i knew how it would feel to be free from the group cd a plea for peace this is paul bass inviting you to fly free with us all day and all night long at wnhh new haven's home for community radio